Welcome to Brit David Podcast. This week, we celebrate one year of podcast publication. We hope you are enjoying these podcasts each week and invite you to send Pastor Tim a message, letting him know how much you enjoy the podcast. You can send him a message at church office at BritDavid.org. As we continue our walk through the book of Luke, Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, entitled, The Discipleship Decision Revisited. The discipleship decision was first introduced earlier in this chapter when Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. After a series of failures on the part of the disciples, Jesus returns to this question about what it means to follow Jesus. This is The Discipleship Decision Revisited. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. Thank you very much. You can have a seat. If you have your Bible, I hope that you do today, that you'll take it, turn with me to Luke chapter number 9, to those final verses as we finish this chapter today. Six weeks ago, we were in Luke chapter number 9, of course, but we're in verse number 23 where Jesus said, if anyone, and it's anybody, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Immediately after that episode, Jesus showed those disciples why he's worthy of being followed in such an extreme way. He took some of those disciples up on that Mount of Transfiguration, peeled back his humanity, and revealed for them his glory that he is indeed the one true living God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Three in one, one God, yet three persons. And Jesus says to them, I am him. I am the I am. He is worthy of being followed. And yet week by week by week, as we worked our way through this chapter, we continued to see that those disciples were so far from being who they needed to be, from being who Jesus called them to be, from even being whom Jesus empowered them to be. We saw these disciples show a lack of power and a lack of faith. We, show, we, we saw them show a lack of understanding and an unwillingness to ask. We saw these disciples show a lack of humility and a lack of deference. We saw that these disciples did not share Jesus' purpose even. But don't be too hard on them. Because we're still right there in the midst of it. He calls us to follow him in that very same way. If anyone in 2022, if anyone at Brit David Baptist Church, if anyone desires to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We show a lack of power and a lack of faith. We show a lack of understanding and an unwillingness to ask. We show a lack of deference and a lack of humility. We even find ourselves not sharing in the purpose for which Jesus himself has come. And yet Jesus returns to the same passage about denying yourself and calls for what we call then 
the discipleship decision. We called it then the discipleship decision for a number of reasons. One, because it is a specific decision. In other words, it is a decision that you and you alone can make. Nobody else can make that decision for you. It is a spiritual decision. It's a decision that you'll make inwardly. It is a serious decision because it comes with a price, at a great price, a selfless price. Jesus said, deny yourself. It comes with a sacrificial price. He says, take up your cross with a systematic price. He says, do this daily. And he calls for a surrendered price. He says, to follow me. That decision then is the decision now. And what we find Jesus doing in this episode in Luke chapter number 9 is going back and revisiting the discipleship decision. You see, the decision still has to be made. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what time frame you live in, if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you have got to make this discipleship decision. Will you deny yourself? Will you take up your cross? Will you follow him? Will you be his disciple? In our passage today, we are introduced to three men. Three men who show us their decision. I have to go ahead and tell you, I hope not one person in this congregation today makes the decision that any of these three guys make. All of them are faced with the same decision that you are. And yet each one of them make a decision that's hasty. A decision that is hesitant. A decision that even shows some homesickness. Instead of sharing in what it means to follow Jesus. So what more can we really say about the life of a true, genuine disciple? I think that there's some specific lessons that you can learn from the response of these three men. So let's look at them together. You're in Luke chapter number 9. We left off. We're in verse number 57 today. The Bible says, now it happened as they journeyed. Now the they in this point is Jesus. It is those 12 apostles, those that he's called to himself in a special way. But it's also a whole bunch of other people who have called themselves his disciples. Those who have decided to follow after Jesus. There is a throng of people that's on this particular journey. And it's out of that group of people that we meet these three, that we meet, first of all, this specific someone. The Bible says in verse number 57 that someone in that crowd said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a bold statement, isn't it? Man, that's a, that's a faith statement right there. That's a, that is such a wonderful statement. It's one of those statements that you long to hear people say, Lord, I will follow you wherever you lead. And yet we soon discover that his wherever really doesn't mean wherever. His wherever means wherever it's comfortable. His wherever means wherever he can maintain a sense of control. 
His wherever means wherever it is convenient for Him. You need to know that Jesus both demands and deserves first place in your life. That's why the Bible says that in all things that He should have the preeminence. He should have the preeminence in all things. That means that when you're at church, he is to have the preeminence. When you're at home, he is to have the preeminence. When you're at work, he is to have the preeminence. When, he is, when, when you're, you're at play or you're at school, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, he is to have the preeminence. Now, what does that mean? It simply means first place. It means first place. He wants to be number one in your life at all times. Jesus doesn't just want to be present in your life. He wants to be preeminent in your life. Or better said, R.G. says it better than I say it. He says, God doesn't just want to be present in your life. He wants to be president of your life. He wants to be in charge. But that's what it means to be the Lord, isn't it? That's what it means to be the master. He is in charge. I am to be the follower. I am to be the learner. I am to be the disciple. And let nothing, nothing, nothing stand in the way. This man that we meet, first of all, here in verse number 57, is a man who is allowing his possessions to be Jesus' rival. In other words, he is allowing the stuff that he has accumulated, the things that he has achieved, or maybe even the things that have been given to him to dominate his life. Look at what Jesus says to him. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This man who is, who is wanting to follow Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But my security is not going to be found in you. <laughs> my security is going to be found in my stuff. My security is going to be found in my bank account. My, my, my security is going to be found in my home. My, my security is going to be found in my family. My security is going to be found in stuff that I have. It's not the life of a disciple. This man falls in the same trap that many Americans fall into. That many who are affluent throughout the world fall into. Of trying to serve both God and mammon. Stuff. Material stuff. Money. Jesus said you can't do both. Boy, do we put Jesus to the test, don't we? We try it. We try to say, we say that we're serving him, but in, oftentimes we're really serving ourselves. We're trying to accumulate souls for him, we say, but sometimes we're trying to accumulate a bigger account for ourselves. Why do we do that? Because just in case, just in case this discipleship thing doesn't work out, I've still got a home. I've still got some stuff. I can still live through life. I remember having the conversation with my parents when I got ready to go to school, to college, and told them that I wanted to be an art major. You can imagine how well that conversation went. 
Just wait till I came back later and told them I wanted to be a sculpture major after that. You know, in that process, my parents' advice to me was the same advice that just about every parent gives their kid. Why don't you minor in art? Why don't you major in business or major in something else? Just so that you can have something. You know what the next three words are, don't you? To fall back on. Just in case this doesn't work out. We want to make sure that you're okay. A disciple is a student without a plan B. He is a trapeze artist without a net. He is not a person who goes into life looking at what he has accumulated and find his source of security there. Nope. If you're following your notes today, number one is this. Disciples know no reserves. Disciples know no reserves. We understand that our security is not in our bank account. If we learn any lesson in 2022, it needs to be that one. Have you not been to the grocery store lately? <laughs> Have you not been to the gas station lately? You stopped at the bank on the way, didn't you? Money is not keeping its worth. It's not retaining its value. And yet God's value never lessens. He's never less than he ever was. And he never will be. A disciple is one who's burned the ships and cut the lines. He's all in. A disciple knows no reserves. Number two, I also want you to see today that disciples know no retreats. They know no retreats. It's interesting to me that when we get into verse number 59... That it's not the man who approaches Jesus this time, but Jesus who approaches a man. Jesus intentionally walks up to him and gives him a direct invitation. Look at what Jesus said. In verse number 59, then Jesus said to another, follow me. The words that Jesus uses there is an imperative. What does that mean? It means that it's not just an invitation. It's a command. He looks this man square in the eye and says to him, You follow me. Now he's just heard this man come up to Jesus and say, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I will follow you. I believe that man's walked away. I don't believe man number one's in the group anymore. I think he's turned his back and he's walked away. And maybe number two is his friend. Maybe man number two is the man that was walking next to him all along that way. But he knows what's just gone on. He knows that here is a man who has been challenged to follow Jesus and essentially has said no because of all the things that he's accumulated in life. And this man wants to say yes. He wants to turn to this Lord who has looked at him and told him, You follow me. He wants to say, yes, Lord. But if you can imagine this disciple riding a bike instead of walking along the trail, then what you need to imagine is this man backpedaling, because <laughs> that's what he's about to do. 
He's going to backpedal just as fast as his legs can move him. When Jesus says to him, follow me, look at what his response is. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. There's a problem in this passage. There's a problem in his response. You see, if Jesus has first place, if Jesus is preeminent in all things, then the disciple doesn't get to say, but first. He is first. If he is first, nothing else can be first. Right? If I'm saying to him, Lord, Lord, calling him that, Lord, you are my master. You are my boss. You are the one who has saved me. You are the one who tells me what to do. You are preeminent in my life. You are number one. But first means that I've set my agenda above his agenda. It means that I've set myself Above him, I've set what I want to do above what he would have me to do. A true, genuine disciple doesn't get to say, but first to the Lord, and yet this man does. But first, let me go and bury my father. And I want you to be careful as you read through this passage because I don't want you to read our cultural norms into their situation. You see, we read this passage and we say, oh man, this poor man, his dad just died. Man, his dad just died. The arrangements have been made. They're probably going to have a, a, a graveside service tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Maybe what he's saying to Jesus is, I'm going to go bury my dad tomorrow and then I'll just catch up with you guys in a little bit. That's not what he's saying at all. It's not the intent of this passage. In fact, this passage tells us very quickly that this man's father is not dead yet. If he were, this man wouldn't be standing side by side with Jesus. He'd be at home. It also indicates to us that he is not even ready to die. What this man is saying to Jesus is, Jesus, I want to go home. I want to live in comfort with my father for the rest of his natural life. And when he dies... I want to give him a good burial. And here it is. Don't miss it. And I want to gather in my inheritance. And then I'll come and follow you. You see, man number one and man number two are both sharing the same problem. Their issue is the stuff that they have or may have. You see, the first man said, Lord, uh, I, I can't do that yet first. I need to pay attention to what I have accumulated. The second man is saying, Lord, I can't follow you yet because I'm about to get a bunch of stuff. Their security is in the same place. One just has it and one doesn't have it yet. One looks upon what he's accomplished in the past. One's looking at what's going to be done for him in the future. Disciples have no reserves, and they have no retreats. Disciples know no 
retreats. That's what he's doing. He's backpedaling. He's retreating on Jesus. So Jesus' response is not out of place at all when you get to verse number 60. His response indicates that this man is speaking the language of the unredeemed. He's talking like the man who is spiritually dead already. And so he says, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. To one man, will you put aside what you already have and follow me? To the next man, will you put away what may be coming in your future and follow me? Both of these men have said no. This man cannot move forward with his car in reverse any more than you can. Trying to live a life backpedaling will allow procrastination to dominate your life. And here's the sad truth of man number two. Delayed obedience is not obedience at all. Best definition I've ever heard of obedience to God is this. Doing what you're told to do, when you're told to do it, with the right heart attitude. If any of those three elements are missing, it's not true, genuine obedience. This man doesn't have it. Delayed obedience will lead a person toward great regret. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim shares the conclusion to the message from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, entitled, The Discipleship Decision Revisited. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.